0: amen i'm excited because uh uh worship and what was happening in worship is a good sign for next week next week i'm going to encourage you really really to come out uh invite everybody else who's not normally here who doesn't come on tuesday night and they're domingueros everybody knows what a Domingueros is they come only on sundays so have them come out next tuesday night we're going to have a time of worship and prayer what's called often a uh, harp and bowl worship and it talks about it in the book of revelation where the prayers talks about the prayers of the saints and it speaks about worship and it's really all one thing anyway it's all worship is prayer and prayer is worship amen it's the same thing it's the same thing so we want to it's a very specific specific task that we are trying to accomplish that night and we're going to ask everyone to come in with prayer requests I know every single person including myself we have these things that never change anybody have things that never changes in their life for some reason or another Or something in a person that never changes, right? And you've been waiting on God for this thing to happen. And you know what? You never give up. If you press in, God does the miraculous. Um, At the marriage retreat, Walt Healy said he was telling a story about he was going to a meeting and he showed up late, which is weird because he never shows up late to anything. But he said that um, when he walked in, the one thing that he had to say was that they were asking, well, what's your burden? And he says, my burden is to see the supernatural just be common in churches again. He's 72 years old and his church went through a tremendous period of just experiencing the supernatural in every single way you can imagine in the in the 90s. So it's more recent history into early 2000. Um, so he's looking to see that happen and we're looking to see that happen too. But there's things that have to happen First, with us, we know that there's got to be a release. We always talk about this release of holiness in human beings in order for God to move through us, but then it's beyond that too because the devil has different ways of chaining us up. He knows exactly what your weak point is and he knows exactly how to hold you down so you will not believe God for what God can do through you. Because every single one of us is God's hands extended on this earth. This is the way God designed it. He could have, you know, he didn't have to create us, he could have just been God and walked around and done everything for us. He didn't need us but he desired to create us, he delights in us, and as a result, you, because the Holy Spirit lives in you, because you belong to God and you're born of God, you have the ability to operate in certain things. And some of you may have caught glimpses of it at different times in your life, where you, where you suddenly believe God's for something and something miraculous happens. Things show up that weren't there. There's like this window of faith that occurs in your life. And I think every single person If you're saved, have experienced that at least a couple of times, some of you more frequent than others. But God wants us to walk in those things, but there's roadblocks and things that get in the way of our living a victorious Christian life. Because the devil is not just picking on us to pick on us, he's picking on us because he knows if we rise up, then there's a whole other story. Then the kingdom of God breaks forth across the earth if his people rise up. So his job is to try to keep us down as much as humanly possible. But to try to keep you occupied with the day-to-day things, going to work, being miserable, you know, uh, you know hating your job, um, having um, the marital issues that obsess all of your thoughts, he's going to try to drag you down with that stuff so that you won't be free to really work the way that God wants you to work. So what we're going to talk about today is battling insecurity. Battling insecurity, insecurity is a roadblock to victorious Christian living. It's a big one. It's a really, really huge one. I know uh, when I grew up, I went through a lot of things. I was a really bright kid, but my father was absolutely not present. And I will tell you, the power of, of parents, you parents have tremendous power to affect your children, for the negative or for the positive. And some of you guys know that your parents spoke bad or evil things or said you weren't gonna ever be anything Or we're never there for you, and as a result, it still gets you to this day. Whether you think about it or not, you feel it. You feel it. You know, there's that doubt that comes in, that insecurity that comes in. That flows from our parents and from how we're raised. So we have a responsibility to go to God because God sees us differently. So I I grew up in a really unstable home environment, and for me personally, safety is something that I value most. And I don't mean safety like um, that nobody stabs me or shoots me, even though that did go on in my home on occasion, not shooting, but more stabbing. So not that I was less worried about that. So it wasn't that it was safety of peace and comfort. Everybody wants to walk into your house and feel at peace. That's what safety is to us. That's what we receive when we serve Jesus Christ and Lord as Lord and savior. And the Lord is preeminent in our household. That's what we get. So I battled a lot of insecurity as a child, and I'm sure some of you know this as well and have gone through that that type of thing. But uh, the key to living a secure life in Christ is knowing who you are in Christ and receiving God's love for you and basing, listen to this, basing your worth and value on who God says you are, not what you do. Now, this is a very loaded statement because it's been twisted into all sorts of crazy things by wrong theology but I'll explain it like this and you'll get it if you anybody that has a good dad in the room or who seeks to be a, a good parent knows the following thing and you've seen it on TV and when you have watched um, some of these series that a guy could grow up be a serial killer right you ever seen that like kill like six or seven people and the, it wasn't the parents fault there was some dysfunction mentally with this person and that parent loves their kid So a good father, there's nothing that's going to remove that child from your heart. And it's like that with God. If we belong to him, you can do horrible things and he'll still love you. That serial killer could have done horrible things and still love God. You could serve God and do horrible things. Now, what that doesn't take away, and here's the flip of this, is that when you sin, there's consequences to your sin. So that father of the serial killer as much as he loved his son couldn't stop him from going to jail right but that didn't diminish his love for his son so if you really love somebody you need to know people struggle with because they never received love as a child and understanding that God loves us and he loves us and it says that nothing can separate us from the love of God he's not looking at you like that If he grieves, he grieves because he knows that you can have a better life, then you can have things a better way if you follow his ways. Amen? That's what he's looking for from us. Now, does he get satisfaction from that? He gets satisfaction in the way a parent does is that my kid is prospering. My kid is living to his fullest. All of the things that I dreamed and desired for this child are happening as a result. But a lot of us have all this insecurity because we did not receive the love that we were supposed to, and we don't understand what the love of God is and that causes problems for us. The Bible says in Isaiah 54 17, it's a famous verse, most of us know it, no weapon that is formed against you will prosper and every tongue that accuses you in judgment you will condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and their vindication is from me. So we know because we have God we're going to triumph but We've been speaking this entire time over the past couple of lessons that all of these negative things, um, fear is the opposite of love, right? We said that. And that all of these negative things come as a result of fear. It's easy for us to understand how insecurity comes from fear, right? I think everybody gets that. That's not a big big leap. So all of these things come from fear. There's a verse we've been saying over and over again. First John 4.18 says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love, this is God's love, Casts out fear, because fear involves torment. And if you have that in your Bible, underline that. Because understand, if you're really afraid of something, you are being tormented. And guess what? God does not torment people. That's not an attribute of God. It's only the enemy that torments. Because even when we sin, it's not God's hope that we get struck by a bolt of lightning. It's his hope that we stand up and we repent and that we turn around from the sin. But where the devil wants to keep us is he wants to keep us in a place of torment. Fear involves torment, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. So you fear because you don't understand God's love for you. You fear because you don't understand that even though things might be difficult at this particular moment, he's working everything for your good. Even if you messed up because he's your dad and he loved you, that if you take a minute and you listen to him, he's going to help you work to straighten it out. But God does not want us to be in a place of torment. So if there's a situation in your life that's causing you torment, you don't know the outcome of this relationship. You don't know where your next job is going to come from. That's not God tormenting you. That's the devil tormenting you. We need to go back to God for our answers because that's where we will find it. We don't have victory because we don't know how to love because we personally never experienced it. And this is where faith comes in. Because if we go to God in prayer, and if we look through the word, we will find our answers there. And he will show it even through other human beings as well. Our problem is is that we get hung up on waiting for the word that God is going to send to us. And meanwhile, God is telling you his word because you can open your Bible and see his word, right? You can go to prayer and hear his word. Sometimes we are seeing the word in the Bible, and we are hearing the word in prayer, but we don't like what we're hearing, so we're waiting for the real word. Amen? We're coming to a service, waiting for God to send somebody to tell us the word. Get in tune with what God is saying to you. Go into his presence and pray. And if he's asking you and saying, I need you to surrender this, I need you to let go of that, let go of it. Because those things are like giant boulders in your walk. And because they're there, God will never get to the place where he can give you or where he's willing actually to give you what you would be getting had that obstacle not been in the way. We cannot reinvent the the Bible. The word is clear on what is right and what is wrong. Amen? Can we all agree on that? So if stuff is not lining up, we have to fix it. We become insecure because we fail to trust. We fail to trust God, and we lack confidence. As Christians, we fail to trust when we take our eyes off of the Lord, trusting our heart. You know how many times I've heard conversations from people that tell me I'm feeling this, and I, I, I'm sensing this and I'm feeling this right all these different things that they're feeling well the Bible has something to say about our heart not being something that we can trust right the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked that's scary how many times have you had a friend of yours in the body of Christ right a, suppose a Christian friend say to you the following thing follow your heart I don't want to follow my heart. It's desperately wicked. I know my heart is desperately wicked. The Bible says, see, this is what I'm telling you about answers. If somebody's telling you to follow your heart, you have to say, God, I don't want to follow my heart. I want to follow your heart. What do you have to say about it? That's what I want to do. Jeremiah 17:7 7 says, blessed is the man that trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord. Distrust is basically, in a lot of ways, another word for insecurity. Psalm 910 says, Psalm 910, And those who know your name put their trust in you. For you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. Deuteronomy 31.8 says, It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Now, it's funny because we go through things and once we get past the, the fear or the, what, the insecurity, after a while, it's kind of the, the cycle how it goes. When people are depressed, they're not really depressed. Do you know what they are? Anybody have a clue? If it's not medical or clinical, but when people go into a depression, why are they depressed? It's anger. It's anger. It's an anger that I can't do anything to change my situation. And after being angry for a period of time, that then goes in and becomes depression. It's giving up, it's giving up. And insecurity is like that too. Insecurity can turn and you can find yourself in a place where you have given up, where you have given up. Um, Let's talk about insecurity and why it's simple. One is uh, we get distracted with ourselves. We get distracted with ourselves so insecurity messes up our ability to do what God made us to do to love him and others Um, I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you're feeling this need or you're prompted by the Holy Spirit to go take care of somebody or to do something and women can relate to this and you're obsessed because your pants look funny or something and that gets in the way or you're dressed wrong right that's happened to people your obsession becomes on yourself or you're talking to somebody who's really, really smart. God sent you to talk to this, I don't know, brilliant person, and you don't feel as smart as they do, so you hold back. You miss an opportunity there. We are, our insecurity causes us to be self-conscious, and God does not want us to be self-conscious. God wants us to follow his voice and to do what he tells us to do. Being self-conscious is being conscious of yourself. Philippians 2.3 says, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Another way uh, that our insecurity becomes sinful is it produces a dissatisfaction with God. Insecurity is often nothing more than grumbling for manna. Anybody remember the story Uh, when Israel was wandering the desert and they were sick of manna? They were like sick of it I'm so sick and tired of it. They were grumbling. Meanwhile, they're in the desert. There's no other food. God is miraculously supplying for them. Every single morning, this stuff shows up. It's the same stuff, but it's food. And I would bet because it's God's food, it was perfect in every single way. You don't need anything else. You won't get fat on it, right? You won't lack vitamins on it. You won't get drunk on it. You're going to get exactly what you need to get. So we get sick of adequate nourishment. Meaning whatever God feels that we're supposed to get, sometimes we get sick of it. It's the same thing over and over again. I am sick of this, God. You know what, Lord? I am really, really tired of this. (laughs) And I want want something a little more tasty. Something just a little more spicy than this. And the problem is is that sin is spicy. Is it not? But it's not good for you. (laughs) You'll remember that sin is spicy. But it's not good for you. It's not good for you. And it's like that. You know, it's a question I'm going to ask the Lord. is like, why was chocolate not good and cake and all this other stuff? You know, it would save me a whole lot of problems if it, if it wasn't that way. We don't know. But we know that what God, whatever God provides for us is good for us, and it is exactly what we need. He doesn't give us what we don't need. So they were grumbling, and if you remember the story, God at one point provides a lot of quail, and they start dying from it. They make complete and total pigs of themselves on this stuff. You really, oh, you want that? Okay, take this. And they began to die, began to get sick, began to die. So we don't like what God has given for us, given to us, money, position, appearance, or who we are, and we grumble for something better. 1 Timothy 6, 9 speaks of many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. So you're chasing after those things. Think about how much of your life, as you mature, some of you might relate to this, or maybe you're in this place right now. You're chasing after, after stuff. And if you take a minute and you stop and think about it, you'll realize that it's not necessary, that it's consuming a lot of your time. You're wasting a lot of your time going after things that are not the adequate nourishment that God's providing for you, but it's the spicy stuff that you want. Or a lot of times we chase after other things, because of what we can get as a result of having those things. We know guys like having nice cars because that means maybe nice girls, right? So we have reasons for having one thing, which then will often produce something else. Our dissatisfaction with self is nothing more than our dissatisfaction with God. Think about it, because he made you. He gave you the gifts that he gave you. He gave you the provision that he's given you. So if you're dissatisfied with him, with yourself, you're dissatisfied with God. God's like, look, I, I'm, I made this, that this being you. And you don't like it. You don't like what he's providing for you. Insecurity is not sin primarily because it is an insult to what our value is, but because it's an insult to God's wisdom. We have to be okay with what God's providing and how he's providing Another way that insecurity is sinful is it reveals that we long for justification for people more than we do from God. We want to have all of the right qualities so that people can see who we are. And you know how I know this? I've seen it in my own life. Over the years, in the beginning, stuff would happen. I'd be in ministry or I'd be under someone else in ministry, and a teachable moment comes and I don't respond to it well. I've gotta be corrected for something. And as a result, whatever. Maybe I need to chill for a little while and just relax and not do something or not be in ministry or whatever. Um, in the beginning, that would offend me. Later on, it didn't offend me. And that comes with maturity. So we have to see how are we responding to these, to these moments how other people see us. The Bible talks about Saul. King Saul was made king. He looked apart. He was tall. He was everything that a king should be. And it came time for Samuel to dispense discipline to him. And his response to Saul was, as long as you were small in your own eyes, everything was fine. One of Saul's requests was, when the kingdom was being ripped from him, was, hey, just one more time, just go out with me in front of the people. Please, please. He was not freaked out about how God felt about what he had just done and how he had just sinned. That's why someone who cannot take a teachable moment says a lot to me or to the entire pastoral staff, because you are more worried about what people think than what God thinks. Amen? An entire kingdom was ripped from Saul as a result. And we won't get into the whole story. Um, So where do you find your worth? Paul says, whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. That's in Philippians 3, 7, in the beginning of verse 8. It's because we know him that we're saved. It's because we know him that we can find our way out of terrible situations it's not about what we are a lot of us are wanting to hear because we didn't receive from our families or our fathers or our mothers that we're special and yes God does think you're special but you're not special because you're special you're special because God lives in you you're special because you belong to the Lord that's why you're special Paul says in 2 Timothy 4, 6 to 8, and this was his parting message. He was getting ready to um, be martyred, and he says, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day and not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. So what we should be focusing on is that we are found in Christ, because no matter what, if you're looking at yourself, you're always going to fall short. There's always going to be something that's not right, that's not enough. You're going to fail. You're going to do something wrong. You know, you'll know, you do things that are right. But they, they say that um, you look to see if a person... Uh, um, puts the blame on themselves or, or completely... Let's say there's a failure. You were obedient to God and something doesn't go... I'm trying to remember what the phrase is, but this was a good point, so get my, my feeling behind this. But uh, when somebody fails and they beat themselves up, right? Instead of knowing to go to God and for God to pick you up, if you stay in that place, I beat myself up, I failed, I da 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 The thought is, is when that person has victory, is that they're going to rejoice in it for themselves. So on either side... You need to know that it's God in you, that he's there for you at your low points, and when things are amazing, it's because God was there. It's because God was there. Satan's tools are insecurity and doubt. He wants to do everything that he can to bring us down. That's why we have to put on the armor of God. Hebrews 6, 17 to 20 says the following. In the same way God desiring even more to show to the heirs of the promise the unchangeableness of his purpose interposed with an oath so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have taken refuge would have strong encouragement. This is the important part. Would have strong encouragement to take hold of the hope set before us. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul. A hope both sure and steadfast, and one which enters within the veil where Jesus has entered as a forerunner for us, having become a high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. So, the hope we have as an anchor of our soul is Jesus. That's the hope that we have. And that is, that is an anchor. We need to be anchored in the Lord, we need to be anchored in His Word. It's when we're anchored properly. It's like a ship, right? They drop an anchor when they're going to stop. So that protects you from storms. That protects you from, from gliding around. The anchor roots you. It roots you. It also describes a Christian who trusts in the Lord in the following way. Jeremiah 17:8 says, for he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river, and will not fear when heat comes, but its leaf will be green, and will not be anxious in the year of doubt, nor will cease from yielding fruit. Nor will cease from yielding fruit. So it's talking about a rooted tree, and roots are kind of like an anchor, so it's the same sort of idea. Um, Roots do the following if you're planted well. You get good nourishment, you're secure when a storm comes, there's these trees, as a matter of fact, in, I think it's Aruba, am I correct? That they, they're all very bent, if you look at them, from the wind, but those trees have a very, very deep, dense root system. So are they, they might be palm trees, I don't know, because I am like, have nothing to do with planting or harvesting or farming. But all I know is I've seen pictures of them and they're bent, and typically they're on these islands, and what happens is because of the wind, they have these really, really strong, deep, um, roots as a result. Um, and even though there's a drought, spiritual, financial, or otherwise, the tree not only survives the dry season, but even produces fruit for others. That's an amazing thing. Listen to what this tree does, this well-rooted tree. It survives the dry season. Okay, well, cool. It's a well-rooted tree. Probably has a lot of water in it. But it, beyond that, it provides fruit for others that's a really powerful thing if you're well-rooted when a drought comes a spiritual drought a financial drought something bad really terrible happens you would have received enough nourishment to get you through but not only that God provides beyond that you get to produce fruit even through those dry seasons and I've always said fruit is for what purpose what do people do with fruit they eat it the trees don't eat it right so if I'm producing fruit, yeah, it's great that I get to produce fruit, but the purpose for fruit is not for me. It's for the people around me. So God makes it so that even during droughts, that's how you could tell a really powerful or, a woman or man of God is when things are going bad or somebody is, it has an illness in the family or whatever's happening, not only are they healthy in the Lord, but they're producing fruit. The testimony that comes from their mouth is powerful. Amen? Amen. God does that, but you can only do that if the work has come before, amen? If your root system is good, if you're receiving from the word and receiving the things that you need in order to survive those dry times. In John chapter 15, the Bible speaks about what it is to be a disciple. A disciple is simply a student that watches and also imitates the teacher. Jesus says, herein is my father glorified that you bear much fruit So shall you be my disciples. And he goes on to say, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go forth and bring fruit and that your fruit shall remain that whatsoever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. That's John 15, 16. So when you you talk about the fruit remaining, and it's an interesting thing because I think most of us know if you leave a piece of fruit out, it'll rot, right? So, okay, let's say it's supernatural fruit. But what's important is that the way the fruit really remains is that it's being duplicated in other people. That's why it's important to have fruit. You give fruit, you're giving fruit to your family members, to your friend, to your mother, to your father, because you're a firmly rooted tree, right? And your family who's starving, who doesn't have real nourishment because they're eating the spicy sin stuff, right? You come along with a nice, healthy fruit of the spirit for them. And they receive from that, and that brings them health. These things lead other people to salvation, lead other people to health. The funny thing about the word of the Lord is even if somebody is not saved and somebody receives counsel that's godly and from the Bible, doesn't that counsel work out anyway, even though they're not saved? It's crazy, right? But it does. It does. So that's why the fruit is important. Fruit really remains because you give it to other people. It reproduces itself in the people in which you've invested and discipled. So that is a great thing. God wants you to be a strongly uh, uh, um, uh, rooted tree so that you can reproduce fruit. So be secure in the word because knowing your Bible is what's going to produce and praying is what's going to produce fruit that remains. We were talking about this other verse before. Your heart breeds insecurity. You have to constantly check your heart. You have to constantly ask God to work on your heart. You have to let him in. You can actually read the Bible and not let it sink in. I've known people that know the word incredible, but then when I look at their lives, I'm like, are you really reading this stuff? It's not really entering in. That stuff is, you're washed by the water of the word. It's a mirror. So if you're really paying attention and you pick up the word of God, you should be reading stuff and saying, oh, my God, I have to change that, right? Or something's really off and it just washes you. Yeah, we're saved once. But, man, we walk around, we get covered with junk and with sin, and the Lord has to wash that stuff off of us. It's not, not good for you. Jeremiah 17:9 is the verse that I was talking about, where, hey, just follow your heart. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Who can know it? So what you don't want to do is follow your heart. You want God to wash you through with his word. In there is bread and security. In there is bread fear. Fear can be bread in your heart. And remember, I'm telling you, the minute you're afraid of anything, other things will flow from that. Next time you're scared, like, what am I going to do, Lord, um, if I lose my job? Things can come from that. Bad decisions, moving in with, you know, an old boyfriend because you've got to meet your bills. Things come from fear. So you have to be careful what comes next. Insecurity leads us to do sinful things even Crazy things, even crazy things. And we have to be careful because that's where we find ourselves, in a place of torment. I want to read through a few things. There's three major types of insecurity that we fall into, and I'm going to end with this. Insecurity about my behavior. Okay, remember we have to have a grasp of who God says that we are. So what is, how does this translate? God, you can't use me. I'm just going to do it again. Anybody ever felt like that? When I'm doing this, I'm also raising my hand. You can't use me, God. I'm just going to do it again. That's your insecurity speaking. That's your lack of trust for God speaking, where I don't care if you fell to that sin 40 times. You can still go back to the cross and say, God, this time, Lord, let me have dominion over this thing, God. And you fight. You fight to be free so we can have insecurity about our behavior so how do you overcome insecurity about your behavior and what that's gonna lead you to well this is what you do you repent because God wants to fill your heart with a sense of forgiveness he did not come to this world to condemn the world but that we might be saved so when we go to him for repentance he wants to fill your heart with a sense of forgiveness then restitution Okay? You turn to God, but then he's going to look for us to follow through. Remember we said that you can't come to the altar if somebody has something against you, that you have to go back and make it right. Right? So this is what restitution is about. Zacchaeus, after meeting Jesus, he received grace and forgiveness, but then he vowed to pay back everyone four times what he took from them. So maybe there's something that you need to make right as a result of the sin. Resolve, determine not to commit the same wrong behavior again by making it harder to sin, by avoiding compromising situations. And here's how you avoid compromising situations. You establish accountability. And how do you establish accountability? Not with your drinking buddy. Next time I'm going to drink too much, stop me, okay? Don't let me have, you know, like 12 beers like last time. No, don't do that. Find yourself somebody who's mature in the Lord. Go to them and make them your accountability partner. So you resolve to determine to not continue to commit the sin. After all of that, you receive the grace of God. That should put you in a place because God's not looking to condemn you or to torment you. Remember we said that? If you're feeling tormented after all of this, it's the devil messing with your head. Because God wills it that we would stand up and walk away from the sin and walk in victory. Amen? Amen. I mean, he proved it with Paul. How many Christians did Paul kill? And how did God use him? So determine, once you determine that you're going to change, you should no longer be insecure about your behavior, but live in the grace of God and do what he's called you to do. Another big area is insecurity about your talents. And we talked about the parable of the talents. And a great example of this is, Uh, Moses in Exodus 4.10, that he said, I can't talk God because I'm not eloquent. Or some people say he stuttered. God is looking for us to obey him. And then after we obey him, we put in the effort. Because often it's less about talent than it is about effort. I don't know if you know that. I know this because when I hear the radio, I'm shocked at the junk, and I don't mean junk like spiritual content, but the really horrible songs that make it onto the radio. But I can bet you some of those people lived, ate, and breathed that every single day of their lives until they got on the radio. That's what they did. So God is looking for the effort. He's looking for us to do it. Um, We see something that's really successful and we think that somebody just rolled out of bed and it just happened for them. It doesn't happen that way. God wants you to obey and then put the effort to it. And that will get rid of the insecurity about your talents. Because guess what happens? The results start to happen because the Holy Spirit is in the mix. Amen? The third thing is insecurity about who I am as a person. And I'm going to go back to um, Moses as an example. Exodus 4.11 says, God responds to Moses, Who gave man his mouth? Who makes him deaf or mute? Who gives him sight or makes him blind? Is it not I, the Lord? So concentrate on what God is telling you and not on what you think you're missing. Sin is one thing. We're not talking about sin. We're talking about if you don't have it and God told you to do it, don't focus on that thing. Just do what he told you to do. God knew that Moses had trouble speaking. He knew that. But he wanted Moses to obey. And as a result, an entire nation was liberated. As a result, there was miracle after miracle unlike Egypt had ever seen. An amazing thing. As a result, all of this flows down thousands of years into history from a guy that couldn't speak well, that obeyed God. So we really have no excuse. If you don't have it, not because of sin, but because God did not supply what you think you need, If God's telling you to do it, you have a responsibility to do it. And he will take you through it. The awesome thing about being a Christian is that he's able to work all things for good for those who love the Lord. And I want you to know that destructive, all of our destructive behavior addictions, all that kind of stuff, all those things that we do are often just rooted in insecurity. Again, pull back. Learn who you are in Christ. Stay rooted. Learn your word pray. The Bible says that we will know the truth and the truth will set us free. If you know the truth, you can apply it to your situation and God will set you free and God will set you free. So trust him. Don't live in that place of insecurity. Trust him enough to just walk forward and and God will just make amazing things happen. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. We're going to pray. Father, we just thank you, God, that we find our help in you. Lord, that our dreams, when we love you, are provided by you, Lord God. So, Father, I just pray that you dare your people to dream and to believe the things that you've spoken into their hearts, O oh God, to not be caught in a cycle of condemnation or torment. Lord, but to break from that, Father. Lord, to not be tricked by the enemy, to not allow the enemy to mess with, with, with our heads, with their heads, Lord God. But, Father, I just pray that you would just pour out this realization of your love and the fact that you will never stop loving us. So, Spirit of God, speak that into our hearts. You're a good Father. Help us to learn from you and to do the things that you've taught us to do and that you speak to us to do. Lord, I pray for a restoration of strength in your people as they continue to go through their week, Lord God. Provide opportunities, Father. Uh, for them to receive greater rest and provide opportunities for them to speak um, of your goodness, Lord. Lord, we thank you for who you are in our lives, and we bless your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Don't forget, next Tuesday, prayer or worship, so invite everybody out.